Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, that was the last time the Denver Broncos got a win in Miami. And man, just puts a smile on my face thinking back to that Tim Tebow season and that got everything kicked off with the Tebow magic. That was Tebow's first game. Broncos were, what, one and four entering that game. The season seemed lost, and Tim Tebow had that incredible comeback in that game. Mm -hmm. Broncos scored 18 unanswered points to win the game, 15 unanswered points to send it into overtime, including a two-point conversion with barely any time left, and then that Matt Prater field goal to give the Broncos the win. Todd? Do you, what, what were you doing during that 2011 season? You, you were at Sac State, right? Yeah, I was at Sac State. Uh, that was my f- first year. Yeah, because I graduated in 2010, so that was my first year. And uh, I think I was at that time preparing to play maybe Montana and whoop on them or something like that. <laughs> okay, uh, I doubt it. But that was the good old days, man. I think the Broncos need to have maybe a similar victory. They need to find a way to turn their season around. And a big win in Miami mm-hmm. will definitely do it. Um, I think this is this is go time. It's time to get this thing and this train moving. Man, I love it. Henry, you were in elementary school? Oh, geez. I hadn't even thought about me. Um, first <laughs> yeah. of all, shout out Sac State for making me some money this weekend. What, what? what did we oh, do? Yeah. Uh, it was two to one odds. I can't remember what I put on. It was like 20, 30 bucks. Oh, you're talking about when we beat Stanford? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. baby. Beat Pac-12 oh, yeah. team. That's what we do. I mean, and you we... just knew it was going to happen. Like, cause again, like that's one of the better teams in the big sky. Mm-hmm. Then they're playing Stanford who is not good. And then you have like the coach leaving to go to Stanford. So everybody on the team must know, like they can be that. Not that he's not a good coach, but it's like, it, there's no real tier difference here. Like there should be. Uh, so that was, that was a big day for me. I like to think of him as like the old Stanford, like uh, Andrew Luck and Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, in my it's a mind, different era. that's who Sac State just be. I, I like that for you. Yeah. I bet when they run out on the field, like they still got highlights from those guys. They're living in the past there too. Um, but yeah, what was I doing? I think that I, let's see, my I would have already had my dog named Tebow because that would have been Christmas of 2010. Okay. Yep. So wow, she had been around for a while. That's impressive foresight to, well, to name your dog Tebow I mean, things before the Tebow season happened. Definitely. But also at that point, you didn't think it was going to be a Tebow season. You're thinking like maybe a Tebow career could be a lot <laughs> of fun. Um, but yeah, so I already had my dog named Tebow. She was probably wearing my Tebow jersey, I would guess. She liked to do that. Um, well, she probably liked it. Um, <laughs> I guess you don't really know. Yeah, I mean, I would have watched a game. Yeah. I don't really have any great details. I would have been like a freshman in high school, maybe? Sophomore? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was uh, I was in college, so yeah, you would have been in high school. Todd, do you remember? Because you, you had no association with the Broncos mm-hmm. at this point yet. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Tebow magic going on in the country? I do. I definitely feel like Tebow took over everybody was doing the uh the pose yeah, yeah. um and he That's put together right. some great plays i know the biggest <laughs> one is that pass to dt yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, he just really took over, man. Tebow was a treasure in, in Denver for real. He was. He was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hank, I don't think you were the only one naming your dog uh, Tebow after that. Probably I think, not. I think the country, or my grandpa, Bronco's country. My grandpa would that. only call her T-Bone because that's like a real <laughs> dog name. It was It was kind of an issue. My sisters hated the name Tebow. Is what it is. This maybe maybe during the off season we can go back through that Tebow season. That'd be kind of mm, fun. I would watch love some of those that. games or just watch comebacks. I mean, Super Super Bowls, Super Bowl Fifty season, obviously amazing. Ninety seven. Probably get some insights was, on that one. I was yeah. a little young. Yeah, I think we can have some insights <laughs> on that. Um, but then outside of like championship seasons, the two most fun times I've ever had in sports is Rocktober, the 07 mm-hmm. Rockies, and then Tim Tebow's season yeah. because it was just like. Awful football on the offensive side. Great football on the defensive yep. side from the Broncos for three and a half quarters. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Tebow would just do something yeah. crazy to win the game. And the Broncos went to the playoffs on a four-game losing streak, and they won the division at 8-8. Eight and eight. Yet they went to the playoffs, <laughs> beat the Steelers, massive upset uh, at home. Yeah. Tebow to DT on a walk-off. And we don't need to talk about what happened the next week after that. But... I mean, we talk about some upsets. Broncos definitely were underdogs going to Miami in that game. Broncos definitely underdogs going into Miami. This game, right now, I think the line's still six and a half. Miami's favored by. A lot of people thought the Broncos were going to be like 10-point dogs Uh in this game, but Vegas has given them a little bit of a chance. But one of the important things, why why we play that clip, not only bring up Tebow and the great memories, but that's 2011. We're in 2023 right now. Man. That's the last time the Broncos won in Miami. Now, it's not like they go down there every year, so they're yeah. not on a 10-game losing streak. But it's a tough place to go to and play, not necessarily because of, like, the fans or yeah. Rockets Stadium, but some other things. Yeah, it's hot as hell. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of distractions. You're finally in a city that has good food and good shopping. Like, I think guys take a little bit of time and enjoy the Miami uh, vibe a little bit too much. So Good we food and shopping, the, something else? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's a lot down there, but the heat definitely gets to you, especially in that third and fourth quarter. Um, but luckily, on this team, we have a lot of Florida boys, so mm, I feel like true. we'll be ready to go and be ready for the heat. Man, that's, that's a, a, that's a point. really good point. Also a lot of Oklahoma boys, which true. is totally unrelated, but I was going through it last night. But now, because I was just like trying to follow like the whole train, because you've got... Marvin Mims, and he would have played with Benito for a couple years. Ronnie Perkins, the new defensive end for like a year. You've got Ben Powers. Oh, DTY is the same age as Benito. You've got Powers, who would have played with Perkins. You've got Samaje, who had a year with Powers. Powers. So you've got just like this whole era of Oklahoma football on the team right now. But yeah, also a lot from Florida. But also Oklahoma hot, not humid as much as Florida. But if you're trying to make that case, I have to imagine Oklahoma's hot. Yeah. I mean, it's next I don't to think Texas. you have to be to know that Oklahoma's hot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hot. Interesting. Some of that geography over there is weird. That's actually the only time. <laughs> like, it throws me off. Like, for years. Well, because I grew up with Missouri in the SEC. And so, to me, like, I always thought, like, Missouri, Mississippi, kind of interchangeable. But it turns out Missouri's just, like, way up north next to Kansas, which is crazy. <laughs> but that's actually the only win that the Broncos have in Miami. Ever? Ever. Like, wow. I brought it up before the ever. podcast, and I was like, well, wait, there's no way. They've been playing for, like, 40 years. No, ever. They've never, ever won there until that game. How about t- Tim Tebow getting the only win yeah. for the Broncos Dang. in Miami? That is wild. Did you ever go down there? Yeah, I lost was, in Miami. Uh, it was, was a close one. Was that the – no, it was a close one? Yeah, no. I think it was a close game. Okay, no, so it then, wasn't. It was a whooping. So then it, it was, wasn't. Yeah. 35-9. Was that the one where it was – who's the offensive coordinator's name? Mike McCoy 
was the head coach of the Dolphins. Oh. No, no, not Mike McCoy. Adam Gase. Uh, Adam Gase, yes, was yeah. the head coach of the Dolphins. And he did not like the way that he was treated at his time here, uh. at the end of his time here in Denver. And what was it? The Dolphins were already up big time. And didn't Adam Gase oh. do an onside kick in order to get the ball back and score another touchdown? Dang, oh. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's a good what thing year to did we play them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What year did we play them? That was 2017. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so oh, that was actually that December of 2017, so 2016 season, year after the Super Bowl. No, if it was December 2017, that would be the 2017 season. True. I was thinking yeah. January. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whoops. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was. That's a good thing to not remember. Yeah. Um, but to but that. but one of the things that that you said, Todd, was a lot of distractions mm-hmm. when you go down to Miami, and I've heard that from so many players. So it's clearly true. And one of the things that Ron Rivera did last week, which was interesting, not as many distractions in Denver, but he flew the, uh, the, the commanders out late Saturday night to get here for the game Sunday. Um, I believe you have to leave 24 hours before by NFL rules. Yep. And I think he left like right at 24 hours. And the reason wasn't to avoid distractions. It was to, he said that science says, if you're not at altitude, for 24 hours, then your body doesn't, doesn't affect get you. affected mm-hmm. by altitude. So he tried to take that route to avoid the altitude, but sometimes getting to a place late and not having a lot of time to settle in can also mess with players. So it's kind of a risk for him to do that. Clearly for the commanders, it paid off. Is that something that maybe Sean should do with Miami is spend as little amount of time as possible there? Yeah, this is not a place where you need to go and relax and give guys a lot of time. <laughs> Um, outside of meetings, you know, we need to get in Maybe have like an hour in between uh, the time we land and the time we start having meetings and then kind of have a tight, short curfew after that. Like if you get guys too many, too much time. And like we said, there's a lot of guys from the Florida, Miami area, mm-hmm. yeah. you get a lot of friends, you get a lot of family, oh. you get a lot of uh, chaos going on <laughs> and they need to control that as best as possible this week for sure. Especially for a 1, a- or 1 p.m. game in Miami, the yeah. earliest game you could have. What, where do you go where the coaches don't have to worry about that at all? Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. <laughs> Buffalo, you, you give away. guys whatever go time. You, don't there's nowhere to really eat. You're going to get some <laughs> yeah. wings and then come back to the hotel. That's it. Or go see the Niagara Falls. I think huh. I did that. We did that one year when we played them in preseason. Because I don't think we played. The Stars didn't play. So we went to Niagara Falls. Like, that's the worst you could do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's not too bad. Uh, Cincinnati, I would probably think. Uh, not the most not too popular much. place. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Cleveland, too. That is a little bigger of a city. You just don't um, like Ohio. No, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I Do people like Ohio? I don't know. That's my, wife, I was, my wife's from Ohio, and I, she doesn't even like it. I was just trying to figure out what I'm writing. I was thinking through that Oklahoma stuff, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go see what Marvin has to say about Oklahoma, because I've literally heard nothing about Oklahoma. So you just write a featured piece on the state? Well, I mean, it's an icebreaker. <laughs> just like, what's up with Oklahoma? Like, yeah. what is... How do you wind up there? Wow. Do you imagine if someone just... Wow, yeah. I want to see how that goes. Well, How did you end up there? I mean, it's just such a... I don't know. I feel like I have opinions of just about like everything else that happens in the country, except for that like strip right there from like Minnesota <laughs> on down. Mm-hmm. Illinois, too, yeah. Well, Henry, I want to get your opinion on how the Broncos can turn their season around and beat the Dolphins. Let's jump into Whiteboard Wednesday mm. to break down the keys to this game. Do you have opinions on this, Henry? I do. Good. Good. Let's hop in and see if we can get your opinion right off the bat. First key for the Broncos to beat the Dolphins this week as underdogs is be 
The Raiders. Mm. Wow. What? You never want to be the Raiders. That is nonsense. Except for this one thing. What did the Raiders do against the Broncos in week one that Sean talked about after the game? They played soft zone coverage, mm -hmm. is what Sean just kept saying. And that pretty much, the way Sean was talking about it, prevented the Broncos from taking deep shots. Sean just kept going back to that saying, well, look, they played, they played soft zone coverage, um, which means they just let anything happen in front, really. They gave you anything you wanted in front, but they weren't going to let you get anything behind you. And they didn't come out and try to disguise it. Mm -hmm. They came out and said, you can have this in front of you, in front of us, but you're not getting behind us at all. And that made it so the Broncos didn't even try deep shots. Literally tried one pass over 30 yards, ended up being that Cortland Sutton defensive pass interference. They had two passes over 15 yards. Russell Wilson attempted two passes over 15 yards. You want to do that exact same approach on defense for the Raiders or for the Dolphins. You want to come out and play a defense where they look at you and say, we're not even going to try mm -hmm. to go over top because we've seen when a team allows the Dolphins to go deep. The Chargers did it week one. You do not want to do that defense. Whatever the Chargers did, do the opposite. Mm -hmm. They gave up 36 points. The Patriots did a little bit more of this. They only gave up 24 points. Mm -hmm. You can beat the Dolphins giving up 24 points. It's going to be really tough to beat them giving up 36 points. So do that where you just come out and say, have all the short stuff you want. Tua's a good quarterback, but Tua's a great quarterback when he's throwing deep to these weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. He's in concussion protocol, but maybe he can still play this week. Don't let them beat you deep, and don't even give them a thought of trying to throw deep. They're still going to try to throw deep on you, mm -hmm. even if you give them that look, but have it be five times instead of 15 times like Tua had in week one. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right with that. Um, they can't get beat over the top, play everything top down. Um, yeah, give them some short stuff. I think the big thing is we don't want to have them on the field long, so we are going to need to get some stops. And I do feel like some of Tyreek Hill's routes – he does break them off after 15 yards. Mm -hmm. And if he's wide open all day after that, he can catch and turn that into, mm -hmm. you know, a 20-yard play. So yep. it's, I think it's a good mix between playing everything top down and then clamping down um, and some key third down moments to really get stops and get our defense off the field. Definitely. You know, it's a tough one for me because I don't – like it almost just feels impossible to stop the Dolphins when they have both of those guys. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you can play the big zone coverage. Like you can try some sort of double team. To me, it almost just feels like whatever you do, you have to anticipate it not really working and then just having a whole bunch of different plans that you can go to. Yeah, 100%. You're going to have to do that um, because uh, when the Patriots played them last week, mm -hmm. the longest pass play they had was a 32-yard pass. I would sign up for that right now for the Broncos Definitely. this week. And that was to Jalen Waddle, who might not play. Guess how long Tyreek Hill's longest completion was last week? 18 yards. 15, mm. 15. Yeah. I'm taking that and running with it all day long for 15 yards. River Craycraft had a catch longer than Tyreek Hill for 22 yards. Were you teammates with River? Yep. Yeah, yeah. River <laughs> now he has found himself a spot as like a third receiver for the Dolphins. Wow. Uh, and last week, the Patriots, by doing that, limited to it to 249 passing yards as opposed to his 450 passing yards in week one. All right, let's hit the second key to this game after 
I tell you about our friends over at Red Hawk Roofing. Denver's best roofers have joined the DNVR team. In fact, they're a part of the DNVR family. They've been part of the DNVR family for a long time. They are one of us. And so make sure if you need any help with your roofing that you call them and check them out. Red Hawk Roofing, where quality matters to them. They have quality materials. They have decades of experience. They're available 24-7. So if you have an issue at 6.30 p.m., you can still get a hold of them, and they have a quick response team. So they are the people for your roofing needs. If you're looking for a new roofer over your home or business, be sure to check out Red Hawk Roofing at redhawkroofing.com and tell them that DNVR sent you. And also, uh, go check out Factor. I feel like we haven't talked about them in a while, um, but they are awesome. I eat basically only Factor at this point <laughs> in my life, which... Uh, it's kind of convenient. I mean, it's really convenient. Like, all you got to do is just remember to grab the box on Tuesday, go put everything in your fridge, and then there you go. It's like a five-minute... A lot of people microwave them. I just put them in the oven because I feel like that's... Well, first of all, I guess I don't have a microwave. Uh, but, that would be uh, yeah, why. But, yeah, but, like, normally I don't think I would either. But, but yeah, I'm working on that. Um, five, five to seven minutes is all it takes. And I just have a full meal. It's, like, it's not loaded with, like, salt and stuff. Usually those things are pretty bad for you. Um, but yeah, they're great. You get to pick whatever you want. They've got like vegan stuff. They've got like protein stuff, low calorie if you're into that. Um, all sorts of awesome things. So head on over to factormeals.com slash DNVRBronco50 and use the code DNVRBronco50 uh, to get 50% off. That's code DNVRBronco50 at factormeals.com um, slash dmvrbronco50 to get 50% off. I don't think you actually have to do that twice, but it says do it twice. <laughs> All right, let's hop into the whiteboard again. And did you guys pick up the hidden message on the whiteboard this week? Be uh, the Raiders? I don't know. No, no let, let's check out the one. whiteboard. There's some sort of message on there. Oh, no. Uh, maybe that's sent from Alyssa? What does that say? Who can... Oh, You know I can't read it from Miami here, so. has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. It's a poem? That's a nice little rhyme. But did you make that up, Lisa? Wow. Oh. See, you know what? We criticize the Broncos for having a fight song and it being bad. That's it, NFL bad. teams just yeah. can't have fight songs no, it unless make sense. it like goes back to the start of your franchise or something. Mm-hmm. You just... You can't make a fight song. No. Yeah. So. Oh no. That's uh. That's great to have on the whiteboard because uh. That's just some some fuel to beat them. All right. Next key. Dade County duo. So this is a two first. So it's two parts mm. to this one. First of all, you know Jalen Waddle might not play, but we got to talk about him and Tyreek Hill. Mm. They're the pretty much the best duo in football. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number one passing offense in the league and they are a dominant force and they have to be our key to victory this week. If we can stop those two, if we can limit Tyreek Hill to 15 yard catches, I think we're going to have a good game. Um, you know, the, the problem with these two guys and why they're so difficult to cover is that even with Patrick, uh, even with uh, Pastor Tan, when you line him up against Devontae Adams, he does a great job. He's locked down. Devontae Adams is not going to get a win. The thing about the Miami Dolphins is they have so much motion to where you can't get your hands on these guys. Mm. These guys are moving before the snap, and you're running down the line. All of a sudden, he takes off downfield. It changes the way that you're able to cover these players, Mm. and they're so dominant. So it's going to be a big task for us because we won't be able to cover both these guys if Jalen does play. Mm. Uh, We'll have to figure out when Pat travels, when he doesn't, when we double-team the other one, and we'll have to – we want to dictate to them 
Because for them, they can just line guys up, put them in motion, and dictate where Pat Sertan or Damari Mathis will be, and they'll be able to attack us. It's going to be big for us to dictate the game plan to them based off of moving Pat Sertan around and sending help you know, away from him. If Jalen doesn't play, does Pat follow Tyreek the whole game? Uh, yeah, I think he has to. I think he has to. And I, But this game specifically, I think you should have a safety lean towards Pat if he is following him because – He's their number one receiver at that point. Yeah. Like they're gonna try to get him the ball. They're gonna try to feature him. Now he needs to be a guy that we completely eliminate. And if River Craycraft goes off for 110 <laughs> yards, we'll live. We'll live with that and you know move on uh, to the next game. Shout out to River though. I mean he's a great guy, great yeah. teammate. Second part, you know we talked about Dade County. Do we got a lot of boys from Florida? Yeah. I think this is a huge game for Pastor Tan and Jerry Duty. I really yep. need Jerry Duty to come back home, feel alive, feel that Florida sun and air, mm. and go off and have a great game. I think this is a great game for him to do it. Last week, he was on a pitch count. I think he'll have many more plays this week and hopefully some explosive plays to really get in the game and really make his presence felt. And then once again, Pastor Tan, he's going up against arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. It's a really important game for him to continue his high level of play. He started off the season great. He has to continue that and have another great game and just continue to be a lockdown corner. Yeah. The the motions they did with Tyreek last week were crazy. Yeah. Like it's they'll motion from like the same side and he just like sprints and then he's it's like a wheel route up the sideline, but then he just stops on the sideline. Yep. And then all of a sudden there's just nobody there because he just ran in like an L to write and there's like nobody can keep up with that. But they do they do all sorts of crazy things. I I hadn't even thought about the fact you can't get your hands on them though when you when you, when they run those sorts of motions. So I don't I, I am not optimistic about the Broncos' ability to stop Tyreek Hill. How could you be? We haven't really mm -hmm. seen them do it in a long time. Uh True. maybe ever. And we've seen Tyreek against this team a lot, and now the Tua um is fully clicking with him yeah, yeah i mean it, it's no wonder to to not feel that encouraged about it and todd even though you mentioned a duo the four people that fall in that duo probably the four most important players in this game yep. for both teams if pat and jerry win between uh jalen and tyreek the broncos really have a chance in this game in fact i say i think they'll win this game mm -hmm. if not if those two wide receivers mm -hmm. have their way uh, in this game and outperform Jerry and get the best of Pat, I don't see how the Broncos win this game. So I think right there is huge. I think you nailed it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's key. I know Jerry's going to have a tall, a tall task going up against Howard, who's a great cornerback in his own right. But I think this is an important game, and it got to be a big one. Three catches for 25 yards. That's what Jerry had last week. If that's the case this week, I don't want to know the final score. Mm -hmm. It's got to gotta be more involved, honestly, and that, that's not all on Jerry. All right, let's get to the next key of the game. It is bullseye. Yeah, uh, because I think Garrett Bowles is going to have a bullseye on his back mm. from Bradley Chubb. Mm. Um, Chubb was mostly on the, that left side last week, so going up against Bowles, you would think this week. And Bowles needs to win that matchup. Like, that's... This is like the dividing line for him. Like you can't expect him to go out there and beat like Nick Chubb or uh, T.J. Watt. Like that's tough to do. But Nick Chubb. Oh well, right now I probably could. Uh, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> sorry, oh. sorry. I, sorry. I didn't mean Henry. that. Henry, you started it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So you've got uh, Bradley Chubb over there, and that should be a pretty fair fight, you would think. Like just having watched both those guys throughout their career, like that seems like a battle to me that should be kind of that fifty-fifty battle. And, and 
the Broncos need Garrett to win. Like you can't be giving up pressure off that side on that one-on-one. And more so, I think Bradley only has one sack, but he has a few tackles for loss. It's the running game where he's really good. Mm -hmm. And that's where you'll really see it. So when you run those like counters to that backside, you need Garrett to be able to just take that guy on and take him out of the play. So I, uh, uh, that's the one that I'm tuned into this week. I love this, Henry, and maybe I can get some insight from Todd on this because mm. I think Vic Fangio is also going to have a bullseye on Garrett Bowles by using Bradley Chubb. <laughs> and from my perspective, talking to Vic when he was hired here um, and then also talking to people behind the scenes, it really felt like Vic Fangio liked Bradley Chubb even more than Von Miller. Mm. He thought Bradley Chubb was worthy of the number five overall pick. It seemed like he just loved him. Am I wrong on that? Did did you kind of get the sense of that? Yeah, no, I definitely feel like he loved him. Um, I think Vaughn was a guy with a lot of personality and a lot of mm. charisma, and I think that also <laughs> played a part in it. Yes, he kind of likes guys that fly under the radar, yeah. come to work, do their job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all know that's Chubb. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? He's yeah. definitely a hard worker. He's not the loudest cat in the room, but when he speaks, everybody listens. He's a great leader. So I think that also played a part in why the Vic Fangio loved him so much. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, next one. Got to fly through these because we've got a special guest coming on soon. Mini M&Ms. Last week, I wanted M&Ms. Marvin Mims. When you get mini M&Ms, you get even more than the regular <laughs> M&Ms. And I want more oh, wow. Marvin Mims. We got even less of Marvin Mims in terms of snaps last week. But when he got the ball... Boy, did he maximize his opportunities. Um, All-purpose yards, he almost had 200 all-purpose yards. Two targets, two catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown, especially in this game when you're trying to match firepower with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. You need more Marvin Mims. So give me as much Marvin Mims as you can get this week. All right, next one. Let's hit this. It is wrap-up. Ah, mm. uh, got to make tackles. Like, they've got, uh, what's his name, Raheem Mostert out there. Yeah. That guy flies. And if you don't bring him down, he's just going to be gone. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that is true for Tyreek Hill. That's true for Jalen Waddle. But the Broncos have struggled tackling. They've missed way too many tackles. And this is the week that it needs to come together because you can't give free yards to the Dolphins. Yeah, and you, you just look last week. While, while uh, two only had 249 passing yards, Mostert went over 100 rushing yards. So you mm -hmm. have to wrap him up. Mm -hmm. But then this also couples with my Be the Raiders because if you're going to give the uh, 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 Tyreek Hill short catches and you don't wrap up... The run game has to be stout. Then, yeah. it, th th then it doesn't matter. If yeah. Tyreek Hill is catching balls 10 yards but you're not able to tackle, might, he might as well be catching 50-yard touchdowns because that's what he's going to turn them into. And, Todd, you kind of pointed to that. Mm -hmm. So the tackling's key. Yes, definitely key. And they got to wrap up. Like you said, most starts a great running back. Yep. And if we're giving them Tyreek 5, 10, 15-yard catches, but they're also getting six yards of pop on the ground, mm. I think that's a recipe for disaster as well. Definitely. Yeah. It is. And let's hit the final one so the Broncos don't have a disaster in Miami. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, so I know everybody wants to see the big plays. They want to see, you know, shots. Um, I don't feel like this offense is high enough powered to go shot for shot with the Miami Dolphins just yet. So I would like them, you say be the Raiders, I would like to have a similar game plan as we did against the Raiders. I would like to put together long drives, 15 play drives, 12 play drives, keep the ball out of uh, Tua's hands. Don't even let him have an opportunity to get on the field. If we can limit them to seven, what did the Raiders have seven possessions? If we could do that, mm -hmm. that's a really, really good game plan for the Denver Broncos. And we talked about, you talked about bullseye. I don't know how good your, um, 
Gary Bowles is going to how good of a day he's going to have mm -hmm. against two dominant pass rushers. So I would like to put together long drives, short passes, a good running game to where we can really like keep the ball in our hands, take times off the clock, but then also put up points. And then Will Lutz have, has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. He has to make his kicks. And we can't be kicking field goals on the four-yard line. Th those need yeah. to be touchdowns. Those do. Yep, 100%. Right, spot on. And I think that might be the biggest debate about this game. Uh -huh. Do you try to match the firepower and just throw deep, deep, deep against these guys? Or do you have to slow them down? And I think that's a conversation we're going to have over the next 24 hours, go back and forth with. And we'll actually continue that later this pod as well. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Splash Sports, where they have the weekly pick X contest for everyone to participate in. And it's for real money. So here's how you enter. Go to splashsports.com slash DNVR and sign up. Deposit cash to get started and enter DNVR's weekly picks S contest for just $20. And the more people who enter, the larger the prizes. They're running contests all year. So make sure to keep that link handy. Splashsports.com slash DNVR. And if you want to run your own contest, you can do that as well. So head to splashsports.com slash DNVR to join. We'll have different contests contest coming out and we're stoked to compete with you and against all of y'all so be sure to go to splashsports.com slash dnvr and we've been talking you talk about going back and forth between whether it's going to be a game full of shots or slow and steady wins the race game i think either way it goes it's going to be a great game to watch from these different broncos i think you should be watching it on football tv they have over 140 live channels of sports shows movies and news you can stream live tv from any device you can watch the most Colorado sports for the lowest price. You can start watching immediately with a free trial. No contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. Sign up through the link www.fubotv.com forward slash DNVR. They have the NFL, the Pac-12, college football, hopefully Sacramento State, the Ryder <laughs> Cup. Check them out at fubotv.com forward slash DNVR. And they should definitely have some Baldi's breakdowns over at Fubo TV. And let's jump into some Baldi's breakdowns. Let's welcome in our next guest, Brian Baldinger, who's the, going to be a weekly guest for us. He does great work over at NFL Network, Fox Sports, Compass Media Networks, football analyst, Odyssey NFL, Sky Sports analyst, and of course, Baldi's breakdowns. Brian, is there any company you don't work for? It seems like you just cover it all. <laughs> I've got, um, I like going to the bank. I like cashing checks. <laughs> Somebody, my, my phone rings and asks me if I want to do this. I, I try to create a puzzle and fit it in and, and here I am. So, um, right now I'm, I'm pretty full, but I'm enjoying all of it. Man, we're so pumped that you're joining us on a weekly basis to get your breakdowns. And I mean, your Baldi's breakdowns on Twitter are incredible. So everyone's got to follow mm -hmm. him on Twitter to get these breakdowns where I, you break down every single game in the week, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I just got to Detroit and uh, Seattle just today. Uh, but, I've, but I've watched all or parts or most of the other 15 games this week. So it, it, it's been a challenge, but I've been able to do it. And I've learned a lot, you know, during the process as well. Yeah, and it's, it's really impressive. I mean, you go to his Twitter on Monday or Tuesday, and he's already broke down a lot of the Broncos. And so I want to just get your general view on the Broncos right now. What's your biggest takeaway of the Broncos through the first two weeks of the season? Obviously not the start they were hoping for. Well, I mean, I think it starts up front. I mean, the offense line's been disappointing. Um, Russell Wilson has been hit 18 times and sacked nine in 75 pass attempts. And, you know, Washington last week hit him 14 times. 
That's the most any quarterback's been hit in this league in the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, it starts there. Now, they got the big plays. You know, obviously, Marvin Mims, you know, one play, 60-yard touchdown. You got the Hail Mary touchdown. But it's been hard to sustain offense, you know, because Russell's been on the move. And, you know, they haven't run the ball particularly well. That's that part. And then defensively, um, you know, they just haven't been good in the first two games. You know, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or, or last week's game, um, you know, they haven't really affected a quarterback. I know they've got a couple of sacks out there, but they, they really haven't affected the quarterback. You know, they haven't taken the ball away. Uh, you know, and that's been a big thing right now. They're one of four teams in the league that doesn't have a single takeaway. And so they're not giving the ball back to the offense at all right now. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that offensive line, obviously the numbers are rough, but but what what do you think is going wrong up there? Like, is it is it chemistry? Do they not know their assignments? Like, do you know what was going on? <laughs> Well, I mean, look, I mean, McGlinchey had troubles last week. That's a good front, you know, mm -hmm. in Washington. They pay those guys, you know, their high draft picks, you know, whether it's Montez Sweat or Chase making his debut or Payne and Allen, they pay those guys a lot of money. They're good players, you know, and even the backups are good players. Jimmy Smith-Williams, I mean, they're, they're good. And so uh, they got beat one-on-one -on -one quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And even in max protection, you know, they were, they were getting beat. And Russell wasn't trusting it in the second half. And so he was starting to move probably earlier than he needed to or wanted to. He's made a lot of good throws from the pocket. But when he felt like there was pressure, he was moving. And when he's on the move, that's when he fumbled on the outside. Kind of a crazy play. I'm not sure what he was trying to do with the ball. But, you know, that was a that was a costly play. Interception by Forbes was, you know, a pressure-type situation. So, you know, you're not going to get clean, perfect pockets all the time. And Russell's not going to stay there all the time. He never had. So – they have to learn how to protect him, and he has to learn how to work with them. Yeah, so I know that you – we talked about the uh, Denver Broncos offensive line, and you're great at breaking down offensive linemen, being a former offensive lineman yourself. I want to talk to you a little bit about this Miami Dolphins offensive line. They have some good players, Teron Armstead, who I played with in New Orleans. What should be the Broncos' key to getting pressure on two? I know we haven't had much pressure, haven't affected the quarterback. How would the Broncos affect this offensive line? We'll see if Teron plays. I mean, he has been out, you know, and they've been playing backup guys, but they've played well. Um, Tua gets rid of the ball quickly. They use a lot of play action, okay? I mean, almost every single play is off of play action. Um, every single run has a play action pass for it. And so it kind of freezes you just to tell unless you can get them, you know, in second and third and long situations where it's just shotgun drop, you know, and go pin your ears back. They haven't been in those situations a lot. So that's that part of it. And then look, you have to be careful. You know, I mean, those two guys on the outside, whether it's Waddle or Hill, um, the Patriots did a good job of taking them away for the most part last week. But on any given play, I mean, they could get behind you. And Tua's got a great touch. Just got a great touch of the ball right now. And last week when they took the deep ball away uh, late in the game, Raheem Mostert hit him for 43 and a touchdown to break the game open. But the, the key is to really – Challenge those receivers at the line and make sure, unlike the Chargers didn't do, make sure you have somebody over the top, you know, and because if they beat you at the line, the ball's going to that receiver right away. And so on every single play uh, in Miami, you're going to get a motion, you're going to get a shift. So you got to know what the final um, formation is. And because the formation is basically going to tell you the play for the most part.
You just touched on it a little bit, but what did Bill Belichick in that Patriots defense do to hold the Dolphins 24 points? I think the Broncos could live with only giving up 24 points to this Dolphins team. They can't live with giving up 36 like the Chargers did in week one. What's something that the Broncos can take away from that Patriots game? Well, I mean, they, they, they basically played his own defense. You know, they played an inverted cover two. There was, you know, uh, Anthony Gonzalez back there. Um, you know, and he, he makes a pick. He baits Tua to throw the ball to Tyreek. Look, Tyreek had five catches for 40 yards. If you walk out of, you know, uh, you know that stadium on Sunday afternoon and Tyreek has five catches for 40 yards, you're going to have a chance to win the game, just the way the Patriots did. Um, but you can't let Raheem Moster, you know, do what he did. And so that's the balance. You know, do you play your safeties back and play a seven-man front in a light box and say, okay, our front has got to handle the run game. And we're just not going to give you Waddle and Tyreek Hill behind us. It, it, it's a dance, and it's a balance, but that's what, the, that's what the Patriots really did a good job of. They really did a good job of balancing that un, until late in the fourth quarter when Mostert hit that 43-yard touchdown run, and there was Gonzalez in a safety, you know, 15 yards deep, and they just didn't squeeze it fast enough, and his speed, you know, ran by you. And that's, that's the other thing is that, look, Mike McDaniel – it's revenge of the nerds, guys. Like, you know, he's, he's, that's who he is. But the one thing he knows is speed kills. And so they got it everywhere in that lineup. And if you blink, you make a, you know, a mistake. You don't hit your protections just right. Um, you're late with it. You, you have a, a bad angle with these guys. They're by you. The Chargers found that out week one. Yeah, I mean... If they don't have Jalen Waddle, how much does that change the offense? Are, are you able to kind of just lock in on Tyreek and, and maybe double team him, bracket him somehow, so that you can emphasize the run game more? Oh, I th think that certainly you can then say, okay, Tyreek is not going to beat us, mm -hmm. and whoever they put out there, you know, at that position, um, you know, we got to be good enough for Sertan or Simmons, whoever mm -hmm. you know, whatever packages you have out there, to be able to handle. A number three or lower you know whether it's river craycraft you know had a good game against the patriots like you're going to get their second or third or fourth best receiver and they don't they can't run like Jalen waddle so you've got to make sure that no matter and they put tyree kill they put him in the backfield they put him in the slot they they create formations for him so that you can't just line up and say here he is he he's always on the move so you have to be able to adjust Vance is going to have to adjust to wherever he is. But wherever he goes, like if I was Denver, I would make sure I had a cloud over the top of him, no matter where he's at. And whatever you have underneath, whether it's a bracket, whether it's man, whether it's other some kind of zone, I got to make sure there's somebody over the top of him at all times. On the other side of the ball, I think the biggest debate that's going to be happening in Broncos country this week leading up to the game is how should the Broncos offense and Sean Payton approach this game? Should they try to play keep away and have very long, sustained drives so that Jalen Waddle, Tyree Killer on the side for a long time, but minimize the possessions like they did against the Raiders? Or should they try for those big shots and try to keep up with the firepower with, with, with deep shots? I don't know if you could play that style. I don't think they're good enough to play that style. I mean, then you got to play mistake-free football. You know, you just got to keep marching these long drives and you dink and dunk and like you just, you know, penalties, turnovers, all those things affect it. The score of the game affects that. Like, I think you have to attack. Like the one thing I would say that, and this has been in both games now, like 
Sean Payton is maniacal about red zone offense. And they missed a couple shots last week. They settled for field goals, did the same thing against the Raiders. Like, they've got to convert when they're down there. I thought Russell was late week one with a couple of throws down there. Um, last week, like, they need they – need, sometimes you can draw up all the great red zone offense you want. Sometimes, you know, a big receiver, a big tight end, you just got to put the ball on top of the rim and let him go get it. And I don't know that they have that guy right now, but that's – kind of where you got to go sometimes. But they got to convert when they're down there. You've got to get touchdowns, and they haven't done that. And, you know, they got some explosive plays last week. That's good. But I, I don't know that you can say, let's play keep away from this offense. Like that, to me, you're playing not to win. Like I, I think you got to take your shots in this game. When you look at the Broncos receivers, how, how do you think they kind of shake out? You know, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have kind of been co-number ones for the last couple of years. You've got Marvin Mims, who's made a couple of good plays. I mean, to, to you is more of like an outside perspective. Is there kind of a clear pecking order in, in the way that those touches should be spread out? Not really. I mean, Jerry Judy hasn't been healthy enough or consistent enough mm-hmm. to be a clear number one. He's a good route runner, um, but, you know, he's he's dropped balls. He's been injured. He's... You know, things have happened to him. Cortland Sutton um, is a big guy that knows how to use his body. He's not going to just run by people. Um, I'm kind of interested. I was interested even last year in Brandon Johnson and what he can be. Mm-hmm. And obviously we saw, you know, Marvin Mins get behind, um, you know, the second year in Washington last week. I'd like to see more of him. But I don't think and I don't see this offense where, you know, at one point in New Orleans there was Michael Thomas and – you can't guard Mike, and even though he couldn't, he's not the fastest guy, like, you couldn't cover him. Like, I don't see that type of player right now in Denver at that receiver position. Yeah, so this Broncos team has been pretty good in the first 15 uh, plays to start a game, whether it's the Raiders game or last week. They've kind of been able to put together drives, score on their initial drives, and really looked good. But some ha- something happens at halftime where that offensive line starts to crumble. Russ isn't there making his shots downfield. What do the Broncos need to do to be more aggressive and create plays in the second half of games? Mm, well, I think sometimes you got to come out of that tunnel and you just have to, you know, you have to have a firm plan like you do on Friday with your first 15 or how you're scripting plays. And it's just got to be, this is the plan. This is what we've seen. This is what we have to execute. This is what was unforeseen that they're doing. This is what our adjustment is. I mean, I don't think you should wait till halftime to adjust mm-hmm. when you see something that you weren't prepared for. I think you got to do that on the sideline. And, you know, that's where the communication with Russell and Sean comes in and everybody else, not just those two, but everybody else. But they certainly have to play better up front. They, and, and Russell, if they do, Russell has to trust that protection. I've seen him trust it. And I've seen the ball come out fast. I've seen it come out on time. And I've seen some, some good plays. But I, I feel like that has to be a more consistent thing in the second half. This has just been incredible insight. Mm-hmm. And we'll get you out of here on this. Do the Broncos have a chance at pulling off the upset this weekend? I always think teams have a chance. Like, you know, like you have to find a way to steal a possession, you know, whether it's onside kick, fake punt. Like, you've got to go into your bag. you got to go deep in your bag. You get a possession here. They don't have a takeaway. It'd be good if they took the ball away and gave, you know, Russell a short field or an extra at bat. Like those things, all those things can help. And so sometimes when it looks the darkest, like this looks pretty dark. Yeah. You know, and everybody's saying, well, what if they go to 0-3? Well, okay. Well, 
let's let's make sure like this is where coaching does come in. You know, this is where you find a way to win a game. You know, whether it's game planning or whether, you know, it'd be good if Patrick Sertan said, you know what, Tyreek, go throw it to Tyreek. I'm taking it away this week. <laughs> you know, like your star players have to act like stars and they got to step up. And so it'd be good if Randy Gregory goes out and beats an average right tackle, you know, and gets the ball out of two of his hands from the blind side. Like, that'd be a good play. So I, I just believe your stars, the people you pay a lot of money to, they got to show up in these kind of games. Man, I love it. I'm believing. I'm believing. You got me believing. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian. We can't wait for your breakdown yep. next week. And everyone, make sure to go give him a follow. Thanks so much. We love the insight. It's, uh, it's great to be part of the team, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Right on. Thanks, yeah. Brian. Man, awesome insight there. Um, brought up some great points about how the Broncos can attack this Miami team. And then also some, I mean, eye-opening things about the Broncos. Mm -hmm. An offensive lineman himself comes out and says the mm -hmm. offensive line needs to really step up it uh that's concerning it's definitely concerning because he knows firsthand um what it's supposed to look mm -hmm. like and he's not seeing that right now um i've seen him break down some guys like literally just them in clips like whether it's a tackle or mm -hmm. a guard i would love to see him do that with our o-line like piece for piece i don't know if everybody would love the video <laughs> but i think we have a lot of insight on what specifically is going wrong yeah he really does know ball like oh, yeah. like you know because you've seen him for forever yeah but like i didn't want to bring up brandon johnson because i was like yeah oh, <laughs> right, right, puts right. a guy on the spot yeah. he brought up brandon johnson yeah. like no he's been paying attention which is nice I'm, I'm excited to get to hear more from him throughout the season yeah and that's an awesome weekly guest that we're going to have you can find him all across mm -hmm. all city actually he just got done talking with the bears and he's going to talk with us probably right after talking with the bears guys next week and that means oh, that's going to be previewing broncos bears we're going to be able to uh see uh Hopefully it's not an 0-3 Broncos going up to 0-3 Bears. But if so, we'll see who the uh, better 0-3 team is from Brian Baldinger. And if you have hope that the Broncos can pull off this upset, you can go take that hope over to DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> that $5, win $200 in bonus bets. And here's the great thing about bonus bets. You're not going to lose money by betting on the Broncos to beat the Dolphins if you use those bonus bets. Just bonus bets. So um, the Broncos are plus six and a half in this game. So does that mean they're probably plus 225? I was just going to check. Like I would guess it's right around yeah, there. Yeah, would you mind checking that for us, Henry? Uh, and if you want to get 220. in on 220. Wow, not bad. That was pretty okay. good. Um, so if you want to turn $200 in bonus bets into, what would that be, $450 in real mm -hmm. money, you can do that over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that code DNVR when you sign up and new customers can get this deal over at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or, or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Louisiana 21 age uh, plus varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsibly gambling services. bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply and if you don't have hope but you need you some liquid <laughs> courage check out our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of the DMVR you can head to breakbrew.com for their for their beer locator so you can find where Breck Brew is near you. They have been doing it for 32 years, and it comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. They have a beer for any occasion to watch the game 
and having some Breck Brew it doesn't get any better. Let me tell you about a few beers that they have. They have the Mile Eye City Golden Ale, the Christmas Ale, Buddy Pass, the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Fun Slinger, which is my personal favorite, which mm-hmm. I had last week. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. Check out our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Use breckbrew.com for their beer locator. We just talked to Brian Bondiger. I want to talk to the people now. Should we mm, hop into yes. the comment section? Alyssa, do we have any super chats? We got a super chat coming in from our friend Edward. It says, if this is a losing season, what should we do? I think it's too early, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, this is a lot of drinking going to be going on this fall. Um, But I think it's too early just to say it's a losing season. Mm -hmm. We definitely had some rough breaks and some tough games. Mm -hmm. We lost two games by three points Mm -hmm. overall. You know, I think that... We were very close to making some things happen, and you never know how the season goes on. You never have, know how things shake out. If we can go into Miami, pull a big upset, and get a win, I think that changes the trajectory of the season overall. So I think it's too early just to call this a losing season. Uh, keep hope. Stay. Keep hope alive. Stay. Stay mm-hmm. the faith. You know. Todd, yeah. two two points on that. I think the three points combined in the losses mm-hmm. is even more heartbreaking. But it, it's more hopeful mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. losing both games by 27 points or something because they are in these games. And the second thing, you pointed, the season's not over. When the Broncos went into Miami in 2011, I think they were 1-4 mm-hmm. with Tim Tebow playing quarterback. And no one believed, believed in Tim yeah. Tebow outside mm-hmm. of Denver. And they turned that season around. They got to 8-8. Eight and eight, They made the playoffs. So we're... We're way far ahead of 1-4. and four. Yes. Broncos mm-hmm. are not in that bad position. They... If they pull it around this week, it's it's going to be a totally different conversation mm-hmm. next week. To be fair, that Tebow team, like what they were down 15-0 with five minutes left, needing an onside kick and a bunch of other <laughs> stuff. But ho- hopefully, it's not that bad. I do think that this team, I don't feel any worse about them than I did before the season. Obviously, I feel worse about their chances to like make the playoffs or what the record's going to be. But in terms of like what they are, like their odds in any single game, like. They kind of look about, maybe not how I expected. I thought the defense would be better and the offense would be worse. But I don't think they're that much, that far off. And in terms of what you do if they have a losing season, depends on what it looks like. Because, I mean, you look at the Lions last year. Didn't they win, like, eight of their last nine games and mm-hmm. not make the playoffs? If, if there's a couple more losses the next couple weeks, then that's what you're looking for. Is that sort of momentum right. so that you go into the offseason, everybody's saying, like, wow, the Lions are so good. Like, that could be the Broncos next year if they turn things around at the end. But hopefully they just win a couple games and get back to 500. And, and I agree with you. And I think one of the, the, if people want to be negative on this team right now, they say, those were two of our four easiest games this Definitely. season. Are we only going to beat the Bears and the Texans and we're going to be a 2-14, and 2-15 team? Mm-hmm. No. Luckily that's not how football works. I agree with Henry. Yeah. I think my win total has changed. But mm-hmm. in terms of how good this team is, Probably similar to what I believe, a, mm-hmm. a little, uh, a little less uh, than mm-hmm. what I thought originally. But this isn't a two-win team. If it is a two-win team, it'll stink this year. Yeah. But you're in great position for next year, and obviously, yeah. then you know the the uh, situation that the Broncos are going to be going into. They're going to be going into Caleb Williams or something like that. If he comes out. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. Yeah, and I think, like does he want to go? Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> he's definitely better than Arizona. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think we have time to still figure out mm-hmm. who this team is. 
you know, sometimes you have teams that play to a level of their competition. So some teams get up for big games and play really closely against mm -hmm. good competition, and some teams play really poorly against poor competition. Mm -hmm. So we still don't know who this different Broncos team is, and I think they're still trying to figure it out. So I think we're so far away from diagnosing this as a losing season yeah. because we still have to figure out who this Broncos team is, and they can also make some adjustments to who they are still to be a much better team. And Todd, some people might say, well, if you're not able to blow teams out and you play down to your level of competition where you're not a good team, well... Not necessarily mm -hmm. a 2015 Broncos team you were on. The yeah. Cleveland Browns were the Cleveland Browns when yeah. you guys played them, meaning they were bad. You guys went into overtime with them and yeah. barely beat them in overtime, but that team knew how to win exactly. when it got down to it. You guys weren't blowing teams out left and right. You were mm -hmm. playing in so many close mm -hmm. games, playing up to your competition, playing down to your competition, but you knew how to win, and that takes a little bit of time to learn how to win as we're finding out with this team. So it's that's it's not like a, a terrible thing for this team. Yeah, it just takes time, and they're, they're definitely going through the growing pains of it. But um, I have faith that somewhere down the line, we'll get it figured out. Yep, and if you get figured out this weekend, Pull off the upset, then you get the Bears the next week, and all of a sudden you could be 500. And then you know what you get the week after? Aaron Rodgers. Zach oh, Wilson. Yeah. Exactly. At home. Mm -hmm. I mean, just talk about how big this win could be for the Broncos. Mm -hmm. yep. You are legit. If you win this game, I think every Broncos fan on Monday morning is going to be saying, in two weeks from now, we'll be three and two. Mm -hmm. Three game win streak. Yeah. Going into Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Maybe that game is for the division lead, which is Definitely. wild. Definitely. And they're only six and a half point dogs. Again, I wouldn't be as surprised if they were 10 point dogs in this game, but mm -hmm. they have a chance. They have a chance. All right, let's get to the comments on the website. First one coming in from Denver Rival says, one way to help the Broncos would be trying some extra quarterback scrambles and RPO game on Vic Fangio. I remember how awful Fangio was against teams like the Eagles or Chiefs that were all about that type of offense when Vic was our coach. Defense should maybe some, try some zone blitz to equal out the pressure and have some deep outsides covered. But before my two written down wins at the start of the season are losses, my Broncos are one and nine playing in Miami. And I had that down as their first loss of the season. Go Broncos. And y'all will make my day. If you read this comment, well, you're making our day by leaving a comment. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that was I think that was spot on though. I think that we all wrote them down as two wins to start the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that Russell needs to be involved in the game plan as much as possible and out of the pocket as much as possible. Uh, Baldinger, he already said, you know, the protection is not there. So whatever we need to do to get him out of the pocket and get him on the run, a comfortable run. You know, escaping yeah. the pocket is not comfortable. That's under duress. Yeah. When you know you're leaving the pocket to start to play, it's a very more, uh, very much more comfortable for Russell Wilson to go through his progression knowing that he's going to be in space. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be good. Todd, do you remember that Eagles game that uh – that Denver Rivals is referring to? I was injured. <laughs> oh, good. There we go. <laughs> so that's why. I don't know. Yeah, there so, we go. So, yeah, I don't know. What Man, happened. these that might be rough. the two, like, worst losses that you have with the Broncos, the Miami one and yeah. now this one. Man, I'm sorry about that, Todd. That, yeah. that these I was there up. for the Miami game. I got to say that. <laughs> that Eagles game, I was on the sideline. So whatever happened, man, you know, <laughs> I, love I it. have nothing to do with it. Coach Tobin says, just got to work the kinks out, boys. This team will figure it out. Got to remember, it's a new defense, offense, and special teams coaching staff. I do think we lose to the Dolphins, but we can find a way to win 10 games the rest of the year. Fans Ooh. have got to get the negative thoughts out. Be a fan, not a hater. Much respect, my fam. Yeah, I mean, I love the optimism. Love a ten it. and four love finish it. to the season is tough, though. Oh my goodness, that would be incredible, though, because they make would the playoffs. Be. Then, no matter what happens in the playoffs, you'd be saying, 
Broncos finished the season 10 and 4 exactly. all of next offseason. <laughs> yeah, season. definitely. Oh, man, that would be wild. Submarine Broncos says, It's hard to see our Broncos country brothers and sisters so out on our team so early. It's been a long slog. Uh, through the desert of losing, and we may not be at the end of it, but this team, but this is our team, and we must believe Broncos country needs to be a part of the culture shift to the winning ways. Our fans need to support our squad and not tear them down for every mistake. Accountability lies with the players and coaches, but we as fans also have to be accountable for our role, too. Love the orange and blue. I believe that we will win. Go Broncos. That's funny. He talks about the desert of losing, and it, it like <laughs> automatically clicked for me. It felt like the beginning of the season was like a mirage, like we're all looking for water (laughs) we're just thirsty as hell but you know i think we'll eventually find the water in the desert and be able to survive what do you think of fans booing the their their home team i don't like it as a player i don't like it i I think you gotta be a fan through and through um i mean i understand that from frustration like on this side of things like they've been waiting for a long time they kind of feel like they were promised a better season Mm -hmm. to start this season than last season so I understand it, but I don't think it's necessary, man. I no. think guys are out there trying to do their best. They're working hard. Coaches are working hard. Everybody's putting their best foot forward. Nobody's out there trying to lose games. Yeah. So if you're a fan, I think real fans don't boo. Meanwhile, like if you're the road team, you've got to be hyped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, true. we got them booing. Like this is awesome. Like uh-huh. booing is just a terrible idea. Like oh, it no. only makes things worse. You feel like, oh y'all trash. If we can get your own stadium to boo, <laughs> exactly. oh y'all trash. We gonna win this game. Oh, it's so true. That just must be such a boost for the other team, especially in week two when there's booze. Like mm-hmm. week. 16 17 uh, especially like if you don't like the coach you kind of want the coach fired that could have an impact on an owner but like week two man it's tough to hear it was rough and we got two comments left bronco Euler says first i'm impressed with the overall offensive output clearly russ's deficiencies in communication and holding on to the ball surface against washington but our scoring output per possession is near the top or at the top of the nfl although the, the key although they kept the point total down week one the defense had bent a lot in both games we have allowed opposing offenses to extend drives and play keep away. We've seen bend but don't break can work in this league, but it clearly isn't always conducted to complementary football. Yeah, I think that the Broncos defense, the way they get better is our front four has to win one-on-one blocks. Mm-hmm. If we can do that, we can do uh, less blitzing and have more guys in coverage to really lock down wide receivers and tight ends. I think last game we had more sacks, but we also did more blitzing, and it also opened up more – uh, screen game, you know, uh, deep passing routes. So it's like a, it's like a give and take. If your front four is winning, then you can really play like stop the ball, mm-hmm. uh, seven defenders, you know, really stopping uh, the opposing offense. So I think that'd be much better for the Broncos if we can get our front four to win one on ones. Yep. That'll be huge. And last one, Arvada Luke rounds us out, says, it's pretty clear that while diminishing, Russ still has all the physical talent to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. If his work ethic is unquestioned, how does he not focus 100% on improving what he seems to be the clear weak point, communication and understanding of unscripted plays? Yeah, I mean... It's it's just hard to remember like twelve words in a row. Like I mean, you could try it at home. Like just random like cards or whatever pop up. Like banana, spider, whatever. Just put put all these <laughs> words and numbers. Give us twelve. Exactly. Shoot no, uh, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Otherwise, we're gonna get yelled at. It's just twelve but yeah, words. But but I can't even think of twelve <laughs> words, and you want him to remember twelve words? I think you just said twelve words. So it's it's hard. Like it's yeah, it was probably it. <laughs> Hopefully, he can remember that stretch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough thing. You, he should probably be able to do it. 
at the same time, though, I'm not sure. I, I just couldn't say how many NFL quarterbacks can. Is it just Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and half of the league needs the play calls trimmed down halfway? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I also wouldn't be surprised if 29 quarterbacks can just go through every single word of the call. Yeah, and I think he's practicing it. I don't think he's at yes. home like, not yes. trying. I remember when they were talking to Shaq about missing free throws, how he could average 40 <laughs> points. And he's like, "What?" they're like, why don't you work on it? He's like, you think I don't go and practice free throws? Like, that's exactly what I do. Just something happens in the game. And I think he's trying, and I think at some point he'll get it. But I won't, I won't say he's just not practicing it. No, yeah. of course not. And that's why Sean is taking the step right now of going to the wristband and shortening the verbiage because – Let's say Russ isn't able to pick it up. If he hasn't been able to really do it for 12 years, maybe he's not able to. So good coaches will adjust mm -hmm. instead of say, no, we're just going to mm -hmm. keep trying this and it's just going to keep failing. So Sean's taking that step this week, and we're going to see how it works against the Dolphins. And we're going to see tomorrow. The Broncos are going to win this game. We're going to be giving our <laughs> picks out tomorrow for this game. We're going to be giving our picks out for the rest of the AFC West. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks for Baldy for tuning in with us. And stay tuned because he's going to be with us every single week. Henry, Todd, it's been a blast. Thank you, guys. Happy hump day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.